Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Doc Malik, the cancelled surgeon. You can no longer find him in any operating room, but you can find him in the metaverse at docmalik.substack.com, where he's working on people's brains to unbrainwash them. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Doc. God, man, I wish I was as slick as you when it came to intros. You got this gravelly, sexy voice. You got this really interesting accent that you can't place. And yeah, I don't really do nice intros like that. <laughs> well, you can, you can start. You can start. Uh, and you know, I was just a guest on your awesome uh, podcast program. I don't know how you do it, how you sleep. You're just churning out a million amazing podcast guests um, every week. But you know, uh, to start, I guess my question for you would be, and then we'll get to what happened to you. But COVID-1984, as I like to call it, you know, <laughs> COVID-9-11, you know, I started using that in like March 2020 and someone actually sent me 20 bucks via PayPal when I was uh, still on, allowed to use PayPal. They said, you're the first person I heard use COVID, that phrase COVID-1984. What was it? You know, what for, from looking back from your, you know, your, uh, you, you've been your doctor, health expert. I, I view it as some sort of totalitarian technocratic military operation, COVID. Um, what 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 was this this whole thing and and that is because it's still ongoing and they might try it again yeah that's a million dollar question buddy seriously um i love that covid 1984 or 911 it's funny richard gage you might know him the guy who set up the architects and engineers you know for 911 truth he actually had to leave his association because he said look this whole covid thing just like 911 and they're like, whoa, 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 you know, you can't do that. <laughs> so he had to, he had to leave and then do his own thing. So you're, you're hundred percent on the money there, you know? And what was 9-11? 9-11 was a false flag. What was 9-11? It was like, it was the grandest of conspiracy realities. There was misinformation. There was um complete mind warfare going on. There was financial shenanigans and justification to go on, you know, splurge money and go on this all-out war campaign, forever war, forever war. And then introduction of the biosecurity state, the Patriot Acts, everything. So when you think about it, yeah, COVID is 9-11, 100%, because what has it done? It's this forever war, forever war against these nasty germs and pandemics. The enemy is out there, and it's invisible. We need to be prepared. The preparedness, you know, industries there, the pandemic preparedness industry. Uh, and we can touch upon this, you know, with the WHO and the IHR amendments, which are specifically targeting that. And then, you know, you, you had further infringement on our liberties, just like the Patriot Act and, and the biosecurity state, the COVID passports, vaccine passports, you name it, the testing, trace and trace testing, track and testing, whatever you want to call it. Um, and a lot of money was made, a lot of money. So I think the parallels are huge, huge. And, you know, when I talk about, you know, I used to talk about the military, military industrial complex and, and the medical industrial complex. Actually, I think they're the same thing. The medical military industrial complex is this massive behemoth machinery trying to exploit the wealth, and the talent, and the hard labor of just, you know, normal human beings to feed this beast, this evil parasite that's sucking the life force of humanity. 
So if you want to, if you want to know what it why I think it is roughly, yeah, yeah, it's exactly what you just said. If you go into the details, Rovi, it's a bit it's a it's 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 not clear. And and I tell you why, it's deliberate. It's the fog of war. Misdirection, misinformation, confusion. You know, it's deliberate. These are tactics. You know, leave the enemy confused. Create a, a bag of um uh, uh, a bank of a fog, you know, all around you. Smoke screen. Uh, is the enemy in front? Is it behind? Is it to your left? Is it to your right? What are they throwing at you? Like, where's upside down? You know, you just don't know. You're spinning around and around. You're just confused. And you're in that confused state. You lose sense of reality. You're no longer grounded. How can you fight the enemy? When you, when you don't even know who the enemy is, where the enemy's coming from, and what they're attacking for. How can you defend yourself from that? So it's deliberate. And do you remember? You remember back in 2020? How fracking confusing it was? Like the information, the charts, the graphs. You didn't have a clue. clue. I mean, I, I'm sorry. At the time, I was thinking, maybe I'm just dumb, dumb shit. I just don't understand all this. But I'm not. I'm a consultant surgeon. I'm a pretty smart guy. I was looking at all this stuff, and I was like, I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. And oftentimes, it's kind of like conflicting information. I'd go through the official government data, the ONS. And it'd be so confusing. And the thing is, you needed to be a statistician to read through the lines and figure out. But in essence, everything was a lie. It was all confusion. It was all stand up, sit down, stand up. No, no, sit down. No, stay sitting down. Now you can stand up. You just got to the point where you just didn't know. And they wanted you to be in that state so that you would look to the government, the state, for the answers. So when the government and state said, you can stand up. Now you'd be like, okay, I'll stand up. Standing up. Now you can sit down. Okay, thank you, thank you. Because making a decision was so stressful, you abdicated all responsibility to the state. And that is that has persisted. See, nothing has changed. Some of the pressure from the state has come off, the pressure from the media has come off, but there is still a state of, you know, a fog of war. And we hear things like, oh, you know, there's a leaked, the, the, the wet market, then it's the, the, it's, it's a leaked virus from Wuhan. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's a conspiracy. No, it's not. You know, it's, there's a virus. No, there's no virus. No, it's clones. Maybe it's not. It was dispersed in some places. It's this, it's that. I mean, it's got to the point where it's like, I, I have no fracking idea what the hell is going on. But what I do know, and, I, and this, is the, this is the important thing, it is important to ground yourself. So don't allow yourself to be spun around. I accept there are many things that I do not know. And I'm quite happy to say that. There's the problem with society today is too many people are scared to say, I don't know. They, they think that by saying that they come across as an idiot or stupid and they will lose credibility. So they will make up some bullshit story or they'll pin their flag to one mast. Whereas I just say, I, I actually don't know. I, have, I think it might be this. I think it might be that. But what I do know Right, I'm grounding myself now in reality. I know where up is and where down is and where forward is, where back is. I do know medical ethics went out the window. I do know our freedom and our liberty were taken away from us and never properly returned. I do know bodily, autom autom um, bodily autonomy went out the window. I do know there was no informed consent. Not one person, not one of the billions of people who took those experimental shots had informed consent. 
I do know that mandates are the exact opposite of medical ethics. I do know that our politicians failed us, our medics failed us, our judiciary failed us, our legal system failed us, our law enforcement failed us. The pharmaceutical companies did exactly what they've always done. They never failed us. They're crooks and they always have been. Everyone failed us. These are the things that ground me in reality. And I know I'm not some crazy conspiracy theorist. I know this is conspiracy reality. That's why I know. No, I just, I think you encapsulated it extremely well. And I totally agree with you, you know, staying grounded um, and happy to say, I don't know. I, 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 and I've been saying this whole time as just like you, I'm, I'm not sure about certain things. I think it could be this or that. There's these different scenarios I've got on the table. Um, and I, I think what we can agree on is what you say is that this was to usher in totalitarianism, a permanent biosecurity, total recall sort of state that definitive, definitively, that was what it was. Uh, one of the main things it was uh, to do. And then, uh, you know, I, I do have further questions, your thoughts on, you know, as you mentioned, the WHO world government treaty, as I like to call it, the, the big pharma death cult, but you know, you apparently you were canceled. Uh, you don't exist. I'm talking to a ghost uh, right now. There, there have been I've I've talked on my TNT show. Um, I'm Dr. Mark Trosi in Canada. Uh, I'm a big fan of his in, in Ontario. He just got his license taken away. Uh, you had on Charles Hoff as well. I think in Canada, he's fighting a lawsuit. So there's still doctors. Many doctors across the planet have been canceled um some have even disappeared and died under suspicious circumstances so what's what sort yeah. of been been your uh experience as a doctor um being uh canceled yeah i mean um i've just pinned you something over on telegram have a look at it and read it out it's very relevant to what you said and look at the time so it's it's you know it's pretty hot it's pretty current what All right, so so someone just uh, was, I guess just today says hi Ahmed. I was trying to find you earlier and can't. I hope you're okay. I'm great. Thanks. No longer practicing cancelled surgeon. I've left the GMC voluntarily. Had enough of the pr profession. And the lady says sorry to hear that, but glad you're well. Uh, what are you up to now? Never been happier. Hope all is well with you. So I guess patients are still seeking you out. That's a doctor. So that's a private doctor, and she used to refer me patients you know, every six months or whatever. So, you know, she's a private family doctor in central London. And, you know, anytime someone injures themselves or has a problem, she would ring me and say, oh, I've got this patient. I want to, you know, want your advice. Should I, should I send the patient to you? What do you think? Um, I actually operated on her. She had a trauma. She broke her foot and I had to fix it. So, you know, she trusts me <laughs> because, you know, I ended up fixing her foot. Um, but yeah, that's my life now. You know, you know, I, you know, she got, you know, like you said, you just, she just said, you know, I can't find you. I'm canceled. I'm a ghost. Ooh. You know, <laughs> I'm a ghost now. Uh, I, I'm, I've been wiped out, you know. Um, you know, if someone said to me, you know, last year, you know, you'll be, you'll have, you'll, you'll no longer be able to practice your 25 year surgical career. Everything you worked for has come to an end. You know, imagine like, you know, as a child, 14, 15 year old, you're working, sitting all these exams, trying to get, uh, you know, the grades so that you can get the interviews to go to med school. Then you go to five med school interviews and you have rejections and then you get accepted. And then imagine how excited you are. Then you go through med school, five years of grueling lectures, exams every month. Then you have to do the junior doctor years and then struggle to get onto a surgical rotation. And then from that, 
do the research, the hard work, and get onto a higher surgical rotation and navigate past that, do fellowships, get a consultant job, become a consultant at the age of 36. You know, I became a consultant. So from the age of about 14, 15, I started this journey to become a doctor and a consultant. And I didn't become a consultant until I was 36. And then at the age of 48, you get told, eh, eh, it's all over, son. <laughs> we don't want you anymore. Not because any patient's upset with you, not because you're a dangerous surgeon. Actually, it turns out you're really good. And patients don't want to complain about you, but we don't like what you're saying. We don't like what you're saying. So we're going to make, make life so difficult for you that, you know what? You can't, you can't tolerate it anymore. And so that's where I'm right now. Basically, you know, speaking up for medical ethics, standing up for the truth, calling out all the bullshit in this world, this clown world. And I'm not a single issue person. You know, I'm not, oh, you know, the trans agenda, we need to fight the trans agenda or, you know, oh, we needed early treatment. I'm the ivermectin person. You know, <laughs> I'm not... I'm not super specialist in one area. I, I, I am seeing the bigger picture now. All right, there are multiple pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, and I trust me, Harovie. I is is it Harovie? Harvoye. Harvoye. Sorry, Harvoye. I've totally messed up your name. It's my sorry. You know, people do this to me all the time. Now you know what it feels like to me. Ah, I'm mad. Mad. I'm mad. I've, you know what? You know my my. You know this this digressing. Do you know honestly? When I was a a, a little kid, I, I moved school once, and the and the teacher brought me to the front and said, "What's your name?" I went Ahmed. She went, "Everyone, this is Muhammad Ali." I was like, "What?" <laughs> you just reminded me. Have you seen that skit with the ventriloquist <laughs> guy Ahmad, the dead terrorist? No. <laughs> I'm gonna send it to you. That made me laugh, <laughs> laugh out loud years ago. But uh, uh, anyways, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Harovje, yeah. Hervoye. Hervoye. I still can't do it. You just say her, Herv. That's fine. Herv. Herv. Right. So where, where were we? So basically, <laughs> so basically, Herv. Yeah, they don't, they want, they, they, they just don't want me practicing for speaking up. And because I'm connecting all the dots, I'm seeing all the jigsaw puzzle pieces. And I don't say I have all the pieces. You know, I, I think it's like a little children's piece initially, like 20 pieces. And I go, oh, I got 10 pieces. I know what this is. And then suddenly I realize it's a 100-piece jigsaw puzzle. And then I get 50 pieces. And I go, oh, shit, it's 500 pieces. <laughs> but I, the, the more time goes by, the more I realize I have no idea what's going on. But what I do understand is there are multiple issues, and they're all linked. So whether it's a climate scam, financial system, our political system, the mass migration, invasion, the mRNA jabs and pandemics, the transgender ideology. You know, I mean, we could go on and on, dude. The, the endless wars, they're all linked. They're all linked. So I'm not a single issue guy. I'm trying to connect the dots. And my podcast is trying to cover all of these and make people realize there's a bigger game afoot. Because... Thinking like a surgeon and a doctor, which I can't help because I've been, <laughs> it's been more, you know, half my life, you know, more than half my life. Um, when you're treating an illness or a disease or an injury, one, you have to understand that there is a problem. Okay. That's number one. Number two, you need a diagnosis. 
you cannot treat symptoms. If you treat symptoms, you're not treating the root cause. Okay? Problems, yeah, my problem might get a little bit better and it'll come back. So you need to understand, first of all, there is a problem. Then you need to understand what the problem is. Then you need to start treatment options. And the treatment options are typically multifactorial. You shouldn't always just focus on one thing as an operation. You know, you should say, maybe lose weight, optimize your weight, reduce your stress levels, you know, and you improve your diet, get some physiotherapy, adjust your footwear, you know, and then you attack the problem from multiple things because the root problem never really is one issue. There were multiple issues that led to the problem developing in the first place. So to fix that problem, the idea that it's just one thing you need to do to fix it is ridiculous as well. You need to attack all the things that led you to that point. So going back to where we are right now, the clown world, the inverted world, upside down world. Can I swear on the show? The shit show world. You know, the uh -huh. shit show world. You know, we need to identify that there are multiple avenues to where, how we have come to this point in time. And if we don't address all of them somehow, and um, we won't, we won't fix anything. We won't, we won't make the world a better place. And you know, I, I try to do the same thing. I, I, I've been trying to do, the, do that for over a decade on my podcast as well, talking to everyone from all walks um, on different subjects and to piece everything together. That's why I call it geopolitics and empire. We talked about that on on, on your podcast, right? Geopolitics, the science of how things work, and then it's all about empire, right? Globalism. And I, I and I love your attitude. Maybe we can talk about that later that you don't you don't skip a beat you know as you just outlined decades of your life's work and you don't skip a beat you know i've got um from the art of manliness R rudyard kipling's poem right in front of me if where he he says specifically you know if if you he says um you 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 risk all of your winnings on the one turn of pitch and toss and you lose and you start again at your beginning and never breathe a word about your loss you're a man and that's what <laughs> you know, that's what you're what, what you're doing and uh, what many of us friends of mine have had to do they've been fired from their jobs for not wanting to be injected with pentagon juice as i uh call it and so what would be your we all we all have to try you know to extrapolate <laughs> what what would be your sort of master thesis as to what they're trying to do because you know we've got the who pandemic treaty the international health regulations i talked last week to james roguski who's really on that mm. uh, and so what are your thoughts about where we might be headed all right okay um yeah i mean going back to your your geopolitics podcast it really is epic by the way it really is epic um that last one that i listened to with rurik was classic Fantastic. So I just want to say, you know, I've really moved over to listening to a lot of your podcasts now, I'll be honest with you, because I just find some of the other ones that I was listening to, they're just too frivolous and too, I, I used to listen to a lot of James and uh, Joe, Joe Rogan, sorry. And um, I, I, I feel something's happened. You know, he, he, he talks about Elon Musk all the time and it's like yawn. He talks about transhumanism, yawn. He talks about Russian bots all the time, yawn. You know, it's just the same stuff coming. And it's almost like, are you being paid to say all this stuff? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm not interested. And um, and then I listen to you and I, and I go, nah, don't want to listen to it. And then I pop, pop yours on. Um, and I think, you know, I wrote, you know, my substat today, you know, 
why geopolitics should interest everyone and its effect on health, freedom, and happiness. You know, I posted, you know, our, our conversation because it, it impacts every aspect of our lives and health. So, you know, really well done for the work that you've been doing and the amazing guests that you've been getting on. But I mean, before I talk about the bigger picture and what I think is going on and, and you know, appreciate that I might be wrong. You know, let's talk about this IHR who thing. And, you know, I'm not going to say I'm plagiarizing this. I'm taking this from David Thunder's freedom blog Substack. right? He's, uh, you know, he's done some great work on this and he talks about these proposed amendments to the IHR and they would set in motion a dangerous who led global bureaucracy. And that's what we're worried about. And the thing is, you know, the who are going to get together. They're going to have a world assembly, 27th of May to the 1st of June. And they're going to talk about these IHR amendments. And if a simple majority of the delegates vote yay, then unless the heads of state formally reject them within, you know, 10 months of that period, they will be passed through and be, you know, be ratified. And it's then, you know, you're bound by international law. And the funny thing about that is, think about that, is it's a passive thing. So it's not like the heads of state have to vote for it. The governments have to discuss it. And, you know, it's, it, it's going through parliament or the assembly and they're voting. And then, you know, there's a democratic process. It's, if they don't say anything or do anything, it's going to be, it's going to happen anyway. Do you see how clever that is? So it's just implied. You know, that, yeah, this is going to pass through, you know, you can opt out, you know, and it's like one of those dodgy internet, you know, membership things that you do, you know, they go try a free trial for 28 days. And when you do the 28 days, you know, free trial, you have to give all your bank details. And they go, if, if you don't cancel within a certain period, we're going to charge you for a year or whatever, you know, you have to actively cancel it. If you don't do anything or if you forget or, you know, whatever. That's it. You're paying up. You're signed up. It's kind of dodgy tactics. And that's what they're doing. And these IHR, there's lots of amendments, but, you know, David did some really good work and, you know, distilled it into eight key things. I'm not going to go through it all. But basically what it does is instead of the who being just simple, you know, the who's giving information, the who is now the source of all the advice and guidance and is the coordinating authority. So instead of the national governments having their public health officials and scientists and experts deciding how to react to something, is now going to be the WHO and its team of experts. Now you're creating a single point of failure. So whereas before you've got redundancies, some countries might get right, some countries might get wrong. Now everything's going to be done by the WHO. And not just that, you need to understand that normally when it's a government should be elected and representing the people. Now you've got the who, who, who elected them? Who are they representing? And where's the funding coming from? And as we know, I've spoken to, for example, David Bell, who was a, who worked for the who is an insider, worked for Bill Gates as well. The who is now heavily funded and influenced by corporations and individuals. Gavi and, Bill and Gates, Melinda Foundation, individual, you know, companies and farm, big pharma. And the way they work with their money when they donate, it's not like, 
Oh, buddy, I really like you. Do you know what? Here's £10. I want to give you £10. Not through PayPal, obviously, but I'm going, okay, I'll send you $10 of Bitcoin. And you're like, thanks, Ahmed. And then I go, no, no, there's a catch. And you go, there's a catch? I go, yeah, Hirovi, um, Hirovi, Hirovi, Basically, (laughs) you can only spend those $10 on tacos. And you go, tacos? I want petrol. Nope. I'm giving you $10. Tacos. And you're like, all right. Okay. I didn't want to eat tacos tonight. I don't have tacos. And I go, there's another catch. What? What's the next catch? Well, these tacos, you have to buy them from my shop. (laughs) It's like, you know, it just getting ridiculous. So they they apply funding, but then there's, you know, they, they've got stipulations on how the money is spent, what they spend it on. Guess what? A lot of it is spent on vaccines. And why do you need vaccines? Well, you need vaccines for viruses. Why do you need, you know, but viruses everywhere? Well, there might be a deadly virus, so-called pandemic. So now you're looking for them. So one of the other things this thing does is it wants you to create this system where you're constantly looking for potential causes of viruses and outbreaks. So you've got this pandemic preparedness industry, you're sampling and testing. Guess what? You're going to find millions of viruses and mutations everywhere. Every single time you find a mutation, you're going to go, oh my God, there's a pandemic. But you know what? It doesn't even have to be a pandemic. One of the things that David pointed out was um, number seven, I think it was, it wasn't even like there is a pandemic. It's there's the potential for one. It's, you know, it's removing the terminology so that it's like there may be, you know, the potential for an emergency. And then they use vague terms like, you know, an emergent problem or, or you know, an intermediate problem or an emergency. And it's like, what do they actually, what do they actually mean by these terms? Like, what? And if you think about it, they called COVID a pandemic. Really? On what basis? Now, th- their definition of pandemic has changed, you know, recently, well, uh, 2014 or whatever it was. But, you know, to me and to any lay person, if you said, you know, what do you think a pandemic is? You think it's this deadly contagion spreading wildly across the world, killing lots of people. Am I right? Well, that definition has now changed. <laughs> and I don't know what the latest one is, but it doesn't. It's just basically any kind of virus, infection, you know, whatever, contagion. But there's no deadly component to it anymore. So if you look at COVID, the average age of death, you know, of COVID and nothing else was greater than the average life expectancy. Did you hear that? So if your average life expectancy, for example, in the UK is 78 or 79, the average age of someone dying of COVID was 82. (laughs) So having COVID meant you lived longer than average. It was, it was crazy. And so what's deadly about that? And, you know, and, and the data that came through showed that, you know, it wasn't any worse than an average seasonal flu. And then if you look at the way it spread, you had these hot spots in New Jersey, New York, and Lombardy, and London. But then just across the state line or just across the, another country, there was nothing going on. It did quiet. So you had problems in Spain, but maybe not in Portugal or not, nothing in Malta. Nothing in France. You know, it was just, what kind of virus does that? 
you know, the so deadly contagious virus with people flying. Remember, planes were flying. People were embarking, disembarking all the time. I mean, you know those movies where they showed the red dots and they're covering the whole earth? That never happened. And if you ask the average person on the street, did, did you see anyone fall down and drop dead? Do you know anyone who died of COVID? Most people shrug their shoulders and go, no. So there's nothing really deadly about COVID. There's nothing really special about COVID. And most people recovered from it. And if they recovered from it, it means their immune system was amazing. And it meant that their immune system recognized something about this. And it wasn't that novel as they were saying. Something about your body said, I know you, mister. I mean, you're slightly different. But you're not that different that I don't know how to tackle you and deal with you. So the WHO said this was a pandemic and we had all the lockdowns and all this nonsense. And, you know, remember that Professor Neil Ferguson's modeling, his faulty modeling, and I think it was Report A or whatever it was. It wasn't even a peer-reviewed paper. It's just basically an opinion with shitty modeling. If you put rubbish into a model, you get rubbish out. And, you know, it was like, oh, my God, this many people are going to die. And people took that, governments took that, and the, uh, who took this? And they ran the whole COVID clown shit show. So they got it wrong. They got it wrong big time. So th- we know they get it wrong. They're human beings. They're just people, and they're heavily influenced by big pharma. And now we're going to give them the power to do this again and again and again and bypass national sovereignty and national experts and public health officials. So, you know, it's basically centralization. And the best thing about centralization is the mafia cabal loves it. Because instead of going around to 10 people or 100 people and bribing them and extorting from them and threatening them, um, they just go to one person. You know what? You're, you're in charge of all these people. Well, all we need to do is put the pressure on you and you'll do what we tell you and they, everyone else will fall in line. So centralization is a bad thing. And again, if you go back to that chat that I had with David Bell, he was telling me, like, look, a lot of these people in the who, you know, they came, they're good people, they come from the third world, they don't have that much money, suddenly they're in Geneva. Living it up, larging it up, big house, swimming pool, private schooling, health insurance. Their family member might be sick and now suddenly they're getting health care. It's a cushy number. <laughs> Once they arrive, they don't want to go back. It's, it's a nice place to live. Good food. Nice in the summer. Snow, um, skiing in the, in the winter. What's not to love? And they want to stay. And people stay. No one really goes. And to stay, you need to conform. You don't want to upset anyone. You don't want to upset your funders. Oh, hello, whatever foundation. You're giving us $5 million and you want us to do this? Oh, okay, we'll do that. Yeah, and our, my job and all my people... Below me, their jobs depend on your front funding and grant. We'll go along. That's what's happening. It's just simple human, you know, incentives and corruption. But that's not to say that there aren't some evil individuals at the top driving this. So ultimately, what this whole IHR and who is doing is creating a layer, supranational layer above sovereign states. And it, and it's, it's, you know, the embryo of the world one, world, one world government where let's bypass sovereign states. They don't know what they're doing. The who is deciding what's 
what needs to be done, this emergency, whatever it might be. And I forgot to mention the other thing that IHR who want to do is, you know, they want to expand the, the WHO emergency power. So under these revised regulations, you know, David talks about the director of the WHO, you know, who is some people say a terrorist and isn't even a medical doctor. I call him Tedros the terrorist. Yeah. 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 Based on the opinion advice of the emergency committee. And, you know, who's the emergency, who's, who is the emergency committee? Who elected them, right? Um, they may designate an event as having the potential to develop into a public health emergency of international concern and communicate this and recommend measures to state parties. Did you hear that? Potential. So it doesn't even need to be one. They just think it's got the potential of something and then they, they can start telling the states what to do and the states are under legal obligation to kind of like, follow and do as they're told. And, you know, this concept of a potential health emergency is pretty dangerous, along with the idea of in, you know, intermediate emergency, and which is also covered in their proposed amendments. So who knows what a potential or intermediate emergency amounts to? Well, I mean, what does that actually mean? No one, no one knows. No one will tell you. And then the other thing they talk about is Health measures on arrival and departure authorizes states to require the travelers produce certain medical credentials prior to travel, including a non-invasive medical examination. And that's documents containing information on a lab laboratory test for pathogen or information on vaccination. So they're now validating these WHO digital health certificates, you know, these vaccine passports. So, you know, prohibitive testing, you know, this costs people. So if you're not vaccinated, you know, you remember 21, 23, you had to spend so much money on these stupid tests. So, you know, and that, and, and it resulted in thousands and probably tens of thousands of people vaccinating. I mean, that's not true. That's millions. David's wrong there. Millions of people were vaccinated because they wanted to travel. Everybody pretty much who I ask, say, you know, why did you get the shot? Oh, I really need to go on holiday. I really need to travel for business. So, they'll be able to push all this through. You know, you can't travel anymore. Oh, you know, you don't have the, you're, you're not up to date with your jabs. And it won't be like, oh, you had your three jabs, you're fine. You know, oh, you haven't had your latest booster. Uh, last time, you know, you didn't have your 82nd booster. You know, when, when will it stop? So this is just me scratching the surface on this IHR and who. But what it essentially is, going back to that bigger jigsaw puzzle, is everything is heading towards the one, one, one world government. And... In some respects, I feel like we're all already there. If you look, our high streets are all the same, same shops, same malls, same TV programs everywhere, same social media, same apps, same music, same. I, there's no diversity of culture. And I, I weep for that. You know, I want to go to a different country and taste different food, see different shops, buy different things, different clothes. But actually, everything's the same. Everything's homogenous. Big business rules everywhere. Healthcare has become super standardized. I mean, people think the NHS here in the UK is very different from American healthcare. <laughs> it's like, no. There's managed healthcare everywhere. If you look at the uni party systems, everywhere you go, every country is the same. Left, right. They're all going to Davos. They're all part of the WEF. So they're all the same. Everything's the same. And they have the same ideas on climate change. They have the same idea about transgender issues. Same, 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 same. And I almost feel like we're already there. We've got this one world government. And oh, you know the ultimate test of how you know we're in a one world government? Where do you run to? 
where's the place we can all pack up our bags, take our suitcases and run and go run. We're going there to be free. Everyone I speak to goes, man, there's nowhere. You know, like Mexico, Mexico is good. Mexico, you know what? It's, It's happening here. We're just a few years behind everywhere else. You know, wherever you go, wherever you go, it's the same story. There is nowhere to run. What does that tell me? Tells me we're already at that one world government. What they just haven't done is declare it. You know, like when um, you open up a, a new building or or you know a shop. There's an unraveling. There's a you know a grand unraveling, a you ceremony, and they and they the, open the curtain, cut the ribbon, right? Cut cut the ribbon, open the curtains, and everybody then sees. Ah, look at that! The balloons all go up. They just haven't done that yet. <laughs> you, I think you just nailed it. Yeah, I mean, we, we are on the same frequency and you know even for 10 or 20 years because i've been traveling the world i've been obsessed with foreign cultures and and and, um i I lived in mongolia in six months i became intermediate in mongolian i lived in the yurt i had my mongolian what do you call it garb and 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 i just i started noticing uh as just as you said if, if you have a one world political system you have to have a one world economic system and then you have to have a one world um culture and as you just describe it, and it's it's this mono culture, um, and, and I just and I by the way I had David Bell on my TNT show back in two thousand and twenty two. He uh, he's he's awesome, um, and I do have to ask you, uh, just I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, and you know I res- respect uh, everyone's opinion, uh, but but before I ask you this, I want to share this meme I came across uh, the other day, which says, <laughs> "I have never regretted burning any bridges. I've only regretted that some people weren't on them while I was doing it." And so, I don't mind getting people's uh, <laughs> p- p- panties in the bunch, so to speak. And so, um, there's this the whole no virus, uh, no contagion thing. And I just I, I love what Mark Trosi, who I interviewed, said. It's it's both the germ and terrain theory. I was at Anarchapulco recently, and most of the people there were no virus, no contagion, uh, except David Avocado Wolf, who I'm a big fan of, and who's got he's a big person in the alt media. He's he himself said I'm like eighty. He's he's eighty percent terrain and twenty percent germ because he's a farmer. Farmer. He sees fungus and infectious diseases, and I just can't. I cannot go there. I experience in my daily life as a a parent. Uh, there's constant contagion and from the beginning yeah. i never i always believed there was no pandemic like we can have the same views at the same time there was no pandemic but you know infectious disease exists and it's a normal part of life and i'm not afraid of getting sick or being around other people what, what's your take on um uh, the the crowd that has the different view on this yeah so man i'm just with you i've said it publicly multiple times i'm 80 percent terrain 20 percent germ why can't it be both? I hate it when people give you binary options. You're either with Israel or with Hamas. Choose. I don't choose. Frack you. I'm a team of humanity. Right? I mean, they always do this. Whichever it is. Are you are you a virus pusher? Or do you are you are you saying you're a no virus person? Shut up. I don't choose either. Maybe it's a bit of both. Like, you know, I just I hate this kind of stuff. Right. And one thing life has taught me ain't black and white, shades of gray. And you know what? Keep an open mind. Today you think this, tomorrow you'll be looking back and going, oh, what a dumb shit I was. So just keep an open mind and don't be so cultish about things. And you know what? There's too many goddamn cults around. Um, Seriously, too many cults. And the thing is, I, I've just seen too much 
with, like you said, with the kids, with my own infections and everything. And I, I, there, call it whatever you like. There is something out there, some kind of contagion. But at the same time, I accept we have bacteria and viruses in our bodies, on our surfaces, in our eyeballs, everywhere. And we live with them. We live in partnership and in harmony with them. But how many times have I been in someone's knee or joint or ankle with pus pouring out, with bacteria, and we're washing it out and then give antibiotics? Something's happening. Now, these no-virus people or no-contagion people, are you telling me if, you're hot, if your knee's hot and you've got pus pouring out of it, you won't have antibiotics? Like, seriously? You've got, sep you got septicemia, you're not going to have antibiotics? Like, you know what? Just... Just be a bit humble. You know, if your argument was so powerful, everyone would accept there's no such thing as viruses and bacteria or contagion. You know, it's, but it's not. It's, it's a bit complicated. And we're not 100% sure. So just just be patient. And I find a lot of no-virus people are quite aggressive. And then they get quite trolling, almost like 77th Brigade attacking you. Oh, you are you know, pushing the virus thing. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm totally like there's legitimate arguments in your side, but you know what? Equally, my life experience and what I'm seeing, and you know, I, I can't go there yet. You know, I just can't. I want to keep an open mind. I'm 80% towards terrain, but I'm 20% germ. I'm holding on to that right now. And right. I can tell you right now, in January 2020, I had something. I had something before I even knew about COVID, before I even saw the people falling down and everything. I was sick as a dog. And I've had the flu before a couple of times. I've even had to go to the emergency room because <laughs> I collapsed when I had the flu. Don't ask. Long story. I bumped my head and my wife took me up. Called the ambulance, actually. I went in an ambulance. So I had running a massive fever. So I've had the flu. I know what the flu feels like. I've had it a couple of times. This was not like the flu. This was strange. This was weird. I was very feverish, very unwell, barking dry cough got a little bit better and then got really sick again, deep in my chest and I got antibiotics. And at the time I didn't know what was going on. And that was that sec secondary bacterial pneumonia. So the virus knocks you out and then you, you get the secondary bacterial pneumonia. And I lost sense of smell for four months. And I've never had that. Never, like maybe a week or so, but not, for, not like this. Couldn't taste anything, nothing. Something happened to me. But what's interesting is my wife didn't get it. My kids didn't get it. And that's why I wonder, you know, like JJ Kui talks about these viral clones and Sasha Latipova talks about something else similar to that, exosomes or whatever, where it's synthetic, maybe, you know, RNA sequences, put in a lipid nanoparticle, aerosols. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. I had something that made me very sick. And who knows what it is? Toxin, poison, whatever they're using. Uh, but the problem, look, the problem that I have when you say there's no virus, there's no such thing as virus and contagion. You let the people who run the bioweapons labs off the hook. And that's a fracking dangerous game to play. Because there are bioweapons labs all around the world, many American ones. You just need to look at what they did in Iraq, okay? The Gulf War. They gave anthrax. Now you tell all these no virus, no contagion people, you think anthrax doesn't make you sick? Aspergilloma, whatever you call it, you think that doesn't make you sick? These toxins within them? 
You don't think these things will make you sick? Because I think they will. I think they'll kill you. Right? So they've experimented and played around, you know, with these substances and agents to make them sick. And, you know, what's what was Gulf War Syndrome all about? These drugs, these bioweapons, these vaccines and everything. And they, they made their, populate, their own army soldiers really, de- you know, sick from all of this stuff. And they do play around with these agents and bacteria and try and make them more dangerous. And that is actually happening. And if you just say, oh, there's no contagion, there's no virus, you know, it's none, nothing like this. It's all in your head. You know, <laughs> make your terrain better. You're 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 letting them off the hook, and that makes me almost think: Are you on? The, are you playing for the other side? Right? Seriously? And either you're just ideologically captured, or you are deliberately controlled. You are you are a controlled agent. So you're, and you can be controlled indirectly and directly. You know, people who are indirectly controlled are ones who believe something truly, but are mistaken in their belief, but are promoted, and their voice is amplified. You know, because it suits the powers above that this person is spreading this information because it's false and it's helping them. And I get worried about these ideological camps. I'd rather people said, oh, not really sure. Sounds attractive. Is it everything? Not sure. You know, that's humility. That's keeping an open mind. That's scientific. Um, and then the other side is when you've got people who are saying it's all, you know, Gain of function, early treatment. I mean, I just don't know. Then are you, you know, then you're letting them off the hook. Then you got the other people who say there's no, no, no virus, but there are viruses exist, but there was no virus in this case. It was all just hospital measures. And again, I think you're letting them off the hook. I think they they definitely did something. They did something, and people did get sick. And yes, people died because of the hospital protocols and measures, but in certain places in the world, through some mechanism of dispersal, aerosol, whatever, poisoning, they made people sick. They used that to ramp up the fear and the propaganda, and everyone fell in line. And I, I watched a, a recent video, which I thought was amazing. I'll just lay it out to you. Um, there was um, a row of chairs, and three people are sitting in the chairs, and they're actors. And there's a bell that goes, doot. And when the bell goes, doot, everybody stands up. They've got pieces of paper, they're auditioning, but they stand up. And when they go, doot, again, they sit down. And they're actors. Now, one person of the public comes in and sits down. And um, he's not an actor, and he doesn't know that other, other people are actors. And when this noise goes, doot, the other three people get up. And he looks at them like, why are they, doing, why are they getting up? And he, they're, they're all like looking at their sheets. And then, doot, and they sit down again. When it, when it makes that noise again, dude, this fourth, this fourth person gets up. He goes, oh, I, I don't want to be sitting there. I'll, I'll do it as well. Number five pe- person comes in. He sees number four and one, two, three doing the same. Dude, stand up. Dude, sit down. So he starts doing it. No one's told anyone to do that. No one's told him to do this. But he starts doing it. He doesn't know why he's doing it, but he doesn't. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 people come in. All the, all the seats are filled up. They all stand up. No reason. No one questions. No one laughs. No one looks at each other. No one says, why am I doing this? They all just do it. 15 people are standing up and down like idiots because a little beep is going boop. Stand up. They just stand up. 
a minute later, doot, they sit down. The three original actors walk out. They get called out and say, you know, go out. So they're gone now. So the original people who knew were in it are gone. The other 12 idiots who don't know why they're standing or sitting carry on. Doot, stand up. Doot, sit down. Do you understand how easily it is to manipulate human beings? Get them to do shit that they don't even understand and just accept it? And, if, and, and, and what happens is the, there was one person who didn't get up. And instead of saying, yeah, I don't know why I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm going to sit down as well. They all looked to her and turned to her and go like, why are you not getting up? I'm doing this. Why are you not doing this? What's wrong with you? So everyone gets vaccinated. And the ones who don't get vaccinated, how dare you? Why, why are you not getting vaccinated? Did you not hear the, dude, we need to get vaccinated now. Dude, we need to get a booster now. Why are you not doing it? There's no thinking. There is no critical thinking going on. Human beings have just been programmed. We are so easily manipulated. We are herd animals. We are weak now. To the, the greatest extent, and I believe in our history, we are weak and pathetic. And that's why these people are doing what they're doing to us, my friend. Yeah. And, and you know, w w we covered a lot of the topics that I'm most interested in. And, you know, something else that you touched on, you know, again, one of my biggest fears is you mentioned like the the health passes, the Nazi health passes during COVID. I bought it's right behind me. Uh, uh, actual Aachenen pass from 1930s Nazi Germany, which was to prove wow. your, to prove uh, I got it from Italian antique dealer dealer in uh, on eBay for ten bucks, uh, and I bought one for each of my family members um, because if I was forced again to show my COVID papers, I would whip out my Nazi Aachenen pass, uh, and and um, I learned later that there's a second one called the Gesundheit pass, the actual Nazi health pass. Um, and so my fear is uh, what they're pushing towards is this, the, the CBDC's cashless system with digital IDs and digital passports where um, they're really going to control. Um, if they decide, if the system decides they hit a button and you literally can't buy food, no one's going to help you because if they help you, the same thing's going to happen to them. Mm. And that's kind of my biggest fear down the line is we're going to end up in this type of um system and so you know any further thoughts on that how you think that might play out what we can do um and then other things that you're sort of thinking about yeah great question i mean i think um unfortunately i'm really just disappointed in a lot of people in the world today i hate this <laughs> i really am I think, um, you know, 10, 15% of the population are really switched on and get it. Um, but the majority really don't. They know something's not right, but they don't know what. And that goes back to the diagnosis. If you don't know what the problem is, how can you fix it? And some of them aren't even aware there is a problem. They, they have a little sense something's not right, but they've not quite got to the point where they think they need to go see a doctor. They just think something's not right, but maybe I'll just leave it and I'll be better tomorrow. Now, some patients are like that. 
And I say to them, I say to these patients, you know, who come a year or two years later, and by that point, their foot's pointing 90 degrees, the wrong angle. And the deformity is so severe, it's put problems on their knees, and their knees now have got a serious problem. And their hip and back are off. I go, why did you leave it so late? Because you left it so late, because there's deformity and it's irreversible, you've now got knock-on complications elsewhere. And so not only will the problem be harder to fix, it will take longer to fix, and um, it will not be as good as before, and the complications and risks are higher. And they go, oh, really? And I'm like, did you not realize something was wrong? And they went, do you know what? I knew something was not right. I was kidding myself. And I think that's what people are doing now. I think a lot of people are kidding themselves. They're kidding themselves that, you know what, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Tomorrow will be easier. That the problem will somehow be fixed. Someone's going to sort it out and make sense. And those people, yeah, they're, they're in trouble. So I think things are going to get worse. I think this year, I don't know why, my spidey sense is telling me this year is going to be a bad year. It's going to make 2020 look like <laughs> the starters. This is, this is going to be a big one. Something's going to happen. It could be anything. Could be all of them. Could be another pandemic. Could be a hot war, a proper big hot war affecting the West. It could be a massive financial crash. And that could be as a result of anything. Because anything can, the tinderbox, anything can light it. Another scandal, another bank crashing, another, you know, financial thing that we just don't even know about around the corner. It could be, oh, they hacked our electronic system and the internet and we lost outage. Can you imagine what the world would be like if for two weeks there's no electricity and no internet? The chaos, the looting, the riots, and then the lights are back on. Right? So I'll give an example. If this happens, right? So all the people who are watching, I disappear. What's happening? I'm back. It's all right. Now we're back and we've realized who the baddies were. Those pesky Iranians, those North Koreans, those Donetskans. Are they even such a thing as Donetskans? But anyway, and now to protect us from this ever happening again, we're going to introduce digital currency. We're going to introduce a social credit system. And it's going to be so much better. And again, the, the majority of people being the sheeple that they are will actually beg for it. They will embrace it and welcome it. Because again, the evil people I've done a wonderful job of getting the majority of us to enslave ourselves, to build our own prisons, whether they be physical or more importantly, in the mind. And I think there is a World War III right now already, and it's the war on the mind. This constant, relentless war. I mean, we're being attacked from a spiritual point of view. We're being attacked from our health. You just need to look at the food, the land, the way they're raping it, depleting it with the nutrients, feeding us this toxic garbage. 
We're never been so sick and unhealthy and obese and infertile as a species. I mean, honestly, go, go down to the average beach and you just see these fat, pregnant men with beach ball stomachs. And it's apparently a dad bod. We're disgusting. You know, we're the lean, healthy, athletic human beings now. We're all flabby. And no wonder we're non-binary. Because uh, have you noticed a fat man looks just like a fat woman? They all got boobies. The women have got beards. You know, the men are just jiggling around a bit. You know, it's just, we've just lost the plot. So we're, there's a war on multiple fronts, but most importantly, on our mind. And the, and the action of that is that we are, we worship and embrace our captors and the ones who imprison us and the ones who torture us. It's the ultimate Stockholm Syndrome buster. We are living in a global Stockholm Syndrome. And the few people like you and me who call out this Stockholm Global Syndrome and go, oh shit, guys, it's the invasion of the body snatchers. We need to fracking do something. Everyone turns around and goes, destroy them. We're the crazies. We're the conspiracy theorists. We're the nut jobs. When in essence, the truth is we're the ones who are awake. We are the ones who truly value freedom and liberty. We are the ones who love humanity and we want to save everyone. And going back to another analogy, the problem is, if you look at all these sheep that we've got in the world today, we're, you and me and all the other kind of freedom fighters and freedom thinkers, we are the sheepdogs. We don't eat sheep, but we protect them. We herd them. We look after them. We keep the big bad wolf away. The problem is the sheep look at us and are scared of us. And instead, the wolf in sheep's clothing, they think is one of them. And they go to the wolf for protection. Do you see how crazy it is? This is what's happening. The, the evil ones have done such a good job of giving themselves this veneer of being a sheep when actually they're the wolf. This is the problem, my friend. I, I think you've laid, laid it out perfectly. And, and even sometimes, and I'm sure some listeners now, um, this is th kind of a therapy as well for us airing this stuff out. Like it shows, okay, I'm not crazy. There's other people thinking like me. It, it, is, it is a form of um, a therapy. And what, you know, further on up the road, it's like, what now you know i'm always thinking i like how you said freedom thinker sometimes i i'm, I'm not sure if i want to call myself freedom fighter but freedom thinker uh we, we you know we talk about about this stuff we, we warn people let's let's push back don't comply i'm not wearing a mask all this sort of stuff but i'm i'm also thinking like i gotta start preparing you know i i'm like you laid out i'm I'm cyanide pilled, like my past guest, illegal man, calls it. Uh, I think we're, we're headed into this dystopia, and I just want to make preparations um, to be able to survive going through the fire. Uh, and you know, many of our forefathers, every generation. I've talked to Robin Monotti on the program uh, early on, uh, I think 2021, and he was talking about Umberto Eco and Ur fascism, eternal fascism, where every generation has to deal with this. And I thought about it. You know, my. When I was a kid, we we I, I lived we lived through uh, the breakup of Yugoslavia. My uncle fought; he's still alive. He fought um, 
the the Serbs who were coming into Croatia. My grandfather was a prisoner of the Croatian Nazi regime. My great grandfather died as a result of World War One. Uh, and so, you know, what are you thinking about on, on you know on the way forward? What what now? Yeah, it's really interesting. So <laughs> on Monday, I had I did a podcast with a guy called Tim Leach, and he's a prepper, and he's and he, he preps. And, and basically the title of the podcast is going to come out in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be how to prepare for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and, um, and we need to, we need to. And, you know, I think there's two elements to this. One is in the acute phase, like for example, this year, whatever shit they throw at us, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, don't lose your shit. Calm down, relax. The world is not going to come to an end. It'll only come to an end if you think it's going to come to an end and you make it happen. Don't make it happen. Let everyone lose their heads. Going back to Rudyard Kipling, he goes, if all those around you are losing their heads, but you, my son, maintain yours or keep yours or whatever it is, then you're a man. And that's what I would say. You know, when everyone else running around like a headless chicken, keep your shit together and look at the sky, look at the sun, listen to the birds, you know, everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> everything's going to be just fine. So don't lose your shit. But in the short term, like just be prepared, you know, that something might happen. Make sure you know, tell your family, your wife, prepare yourself, have water, have some food, keep a baseball bat and all the other stuff that the, my guest talks about in the podcast. But then the other thing is in the long term, because I think, you know, shit is going to go down. And it's not going to be good. You know, if, if you speak to people who lived in the communist countries, they go, no, we, we didn't protest. <laughs> we didn't go marches against the state. Are you kidding me? That's like, a, that's like send that chap to Gulag, <laughs> you know, Siberia. Why would you do that? You know, you just, you just, you went underground and you created parallel structures and you bypassed the state. So take, for example, if you're, children are being schooled and indoctrinated, consider taking them out of school and homeschooling them. Many people can't afford to do that because both couples and partners are working. So I get that. But that doesn't mean you still can't homeschool them to some extent. So what do I mean by that? It means when they come home, talk to them. Talk to them. Take the fracking phone off them and the iPad and the YouTube, and the television. And I'm not being a Nazi about this. You know, I mean, let them, my kids watch a half an hour of a cartoon here and there. You know, I'll let them do that. You know, because if you do too much, you know, then they rebel. And it's like, but we te I teach them moderation. So then I say, right, come on, let's get the chessboard out. Or let's talk about this. And let's talk about that. And I talk to them about the fiat system, or the currencies, and how money is made. And they're, you know, they're like five and seven. You know, they're old. But you can start talking about these things. So don't abdicate all of your children's education to the state. Start teaching them. Start talking to them. Another one would be stay fracking healthy. Don't get into their sick care system. Again, I was telling someone today on my podcast, you know, it's really funny. I spent 25 years in a hospital. Sometimes, you know, most days, I would be spending more time in a hospital than at home. Sometimes I would be spending more time with my colleagues than my wife. You know, my whole, my, my home was the hospital. 
now, now if you ask me to go near hospital, I, I, I get, I get like my, my spine starts tingling. I get really nervous. It's very foreboding. I sense this dark energy coming from the hospital. I don't feel safe. I don't trust the hospital. I, I know the doctors individually might be very nice, but I don't trust the protocols they're following. I don't trust their indoctrination and I don't trust their judgment that they're critically thinking. I don't trust that what they're doing is in my best interest. And what do I mean by that? Well, the last few years have shown that doctors will do whatever it takes to keep their job and their license than do what's the right thing. So instead of speaking out against mandates and experimental shots, they've just kept their head down because you know what? They, they can't afford to lose it all. And, I, and doctors have said this to my face. And you've seen it. How many doctors around the world have you seen speak out percentage-wise? 0.001% because they've said, no, you know what? I need to keep my mortgage going. And I've got a holiday. I've got that mistress on the side. You know, got a lot of shit to do, you know, cover it. So I can't afford to do this. That's, that's reality. So this idea that doctors do first do no harm, my ass. No. First, I need to take care of my pocket. I need to take care of my bills. Second, I need to take care of the mortgage. Second and third, I need to look after the schooling fees, holidays. I mean, where does the patient rank? I think quite low down. So when you go to a hospital, how do you know when that doctor is speaking to you and telling you what needs to be done? They're telling you what's in your best interest or what's actually in their best interest because they're following the guidelines and protocols that are going to protect them from getting into trouble. And they might know, actually, it's not right for you, but you know what? Shit happens. Nothing's going to happen to me because I'll just follow the protocol. I won't get into trouble. But if I do the right thing and tell you not to do this, protect you, well, I might get into trouble then and investigate it. So, do you know what? I'm just going to follow the guideline. I'm just following orders. So this whole idea of first do no harm is bullshit. Non-existent. So anyway, stay out of the hospital system. Stay healthy. How'd you do that? Don't eat their shit. Don't consume their shit. Don't watch their crap TV. Listen to geopolitics and empire, for God's sake, and support you. It's just coffee a month or whatever. Don't go to Starbucks and spend, you know, your money on that crap. That brown piss water. Spend it on you. Look after your health. Exercise. Build relationships. Most of the relationships I've come across in my last 20 years have been very dysfunctional, not healthy. Man and woman, husband and wife together, and it's not really what it should be. Love, friendship, trust, passion. No, it's all gone. So you know what? Make sure your relationship is a proper relationship. Loving relationship, a deep, meaningful relationship. And have lots of sex, for God's sake. You know, and then build your community. Don't be fearful of strangers and your neighbor get to know people and you know help them out because it's a good thing to do check in on them because it's a good thing to do and treat other people like the way you'd want to be treated and then have faith have true spirituality and remember that we are spiritual beings and that you know i i really do believe that there's a creator I, mean, I think he's on holiday right now. But anyway, I think there is a creator. And it's funny, I'm kind of conflicted. And I'd like to hear your view on this. 
I don't trust any organized religion. I think they're all cults and it's all bullshit. They've all been captured by man to control guilt and shame us. But if, you know, take, for example, you know, I'm an ex-Muslim. You know, if you tell me, you know, Jesus' teachings, I'd be like, I, yeah, I follow them. I, I liked what he taught. Am I a Christian? No. You know, I think if Christ came down on the earth today, he would be disgusted. He would tear down the Vatican and he would say, how dare you worship at the altar of the holy vaccine? Okay. So, but the problem is, if we get rid of all these flawed, damaged, corrupted, evil religions, what have we got left? This is how they usher in the one world religion. So I'm conflicted because I don't want a one world religion, but I don't really like the current religions either. But I want to keep the current religions and just make them better and go back to where they used to be. I'm kind of conflicted. What do you think? This would have this would be an entire part two uh, podcast. Um, Let's do it. But I, I, you know, I, you know, I think people know where I stand. I try not to bang people on the head with it. But you know, I'm I'm a, a Bible believing Christian. I could even classify myself as a fundamentalist in a sense. But you know, I believe what the Bible says and even warns about what you're saying. Christ said how many times? There's going to be false prophet prophets. There's going to be false churches. Uh, even you know the Christian churches that I uh, attend, none of them are perfect because man is imperfect. And then um, you know, but that doesn't mean to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so, um, and this new world re religion as well. I've been talking about this recently. It's it's very much you know new age occult esoteric Gnostic theos theosophy. Helena Blavatsky, Alice Bailey. I've been calling out now in alt media. Mm. A lot, so you've got that and top down from the top down the elites have this occult view and now from the bottom up it's coming through alt media who are literally pushing and i go to these conferences and they're pushing the same theosophic worldview which i would classify technically it's it's anti-christ it's anti-christian because they, they believe in all these luciferian doctrines and so that kind of was going to lead to my next one of my last questions for you uh, the the media alternative media movement which you, you're now participating in with with podcasting um just you know how's that been going what have you been learning any thoughts on the states you know we've got msm uh but the state of independent media and it seems like the deep state is also moving into alternative media uh you know the, there's Boom. people uh, any thoughts on the alt media space uh and the way forward there yeah, without naming names, you nailed it, Buster. I think the the powers at large, the predator, criminal crats, philanthropaths, um, they they know that a lot of the population don't trust mainstream media. And, you know, what was it, Albert Pike or something like that? That Scottish Freemason said, We will provide the leader for the opposition. You know, they they they've I haven't spent trillions and billions without gaming everything. Uh, and they know that a significant population, percentage of the population, are now following alternative media, whether it's Joe Rogan or Russell Brand or you name it. So I think they're all going to be heavily influenced and they'll be, I'm not saying those particular outlets, I'm just saying... I think there's a mainstream alternative media now. 
So not mainstream media, but mainstream alternative media, which is captured. And they're, they're also pushing the agenda. So subtly nudging, influencing, brainwashing, promoting the idea of false idols. And there's names that we can talk about who've written great books, great speakers, great quotes, but then they say some really weird shit. You know, oh, for God's sake, just take the damn shot or give them hell. You know, what narrative does that fit? And the thing is with these, the best lie, the best lie, is one that's coated in layers and layers of truth because then it's so easy to swallow. So 90%, 95% of the stuff they'll tell you is like exactly what you want to hear. But it's either the omission, what they don't talk about, or what they gently throw in and then you accidentally swallow. And there's a lot of these around. And if there's anyone out there who's basically saying, Come to me. I have the answers. I will lead the way and free you. I will show you the path. Run the fucking opposite direction, as far as I can say. Okay? The only person you should ask to lead the way and help you is God. Look in the mirror and find your own leader in that reflection. God is within us all. And there lies your leader. And don't rely on anyone else. Don't abdicate your power, your responsibilities, your thinking to some other person because you're a lazy piece of shit. And don't think, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. Yes, you are. We all are. You don't even need to have it in there. You need it in your gut. Your gut instinct tells you something is off. Go with your gut. Do not override it. It never lets you down. So I think there are, there is a drive to create, you know, this alternative sound thing. So, you know, they've captured 70% of people with the mainstream media. And then they're like, how do we capture the 30%? And it's obvious. You get, you get those voices. So, you know, the reason why I'm on your show is, you know, because I think you work for the CIA and I'm working for the MI6. No, I'm just joking. You know, because we are truly independent. You know, we say it as it is. We, there's no topic we won't cover. I'm happy talking about 9-11 and what bullshit job that was. I'm happy talking about anything, you know. Um, I won't shy away from these things. And I will connect all the dots. And I will say I don't have all the answers. And I'll look for them. And I'll, I'll say when I'm wrong. And the same is with you, you know. You look at all the guests you've had. You know, you, you cover everything. You're very open-minded. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the listenership, they... They are hopefully wise enough and smart enough. The question is, how do we get our loyal group of followers who listen to us? Um, how do we grow that? How do we get through to that 70% of people who you know, are totally indoctrinated and brainwashed? I think that's the, the biggest challenge. I'd be interested to know what you think of that. I think some of them just, they can't, they, they will never... Um, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Um, 
you know, there's a quote in the Bible. It says some, it, it talks about us men, man, which includes women, man as clay pots, and some were made for destruction. Uh, and so, unfortunately, you know, there's these clay pots that were made for destruction. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but, you know, we, we you and I, we, we and, and, and people listening, we all do what we do um, every day. Yeah, I remember Ricardo Bossi, I had him on the program, uh, former Australian Special Forces a few years ago, and he emphasized Teddy Roosevelt's quote, just do what you can with what you got, where you're at, common sense. Uh, and Doc, you're a fantastic guest. So, you know, uh, crystallizing a lot of things for us and a great podcaster uh, <laughs> as well. Um, and so any final thought for us um, as we head into whatever we're heading into? No, just say to everyone listening, you know, just do your, all the things I just said. Stay healthy, stay free. Also, just be happy, right? You know, turn off your goddamn phone, turn off the TV, the news. Don't listen to their shit. Don't consider, you know, honestly, I go outside just even to my garden. I look at my chickens. It makes me happy. There's a, there's a particular chicken right now called Jenny. She's the cutest chicken ever. She's so brave. She's the smallest of all the chickens that we've got, but she's the bravest. And I love her for that. Wherever I go, she follows behind me. And I, when I turn around, she freezes. I keep walking. Then I turn around, she freezes. And she's looking for food. I give her the food. She'll eat from my hand. I pick her up. She lets me pick her up. She's adorable. And I just think everybody should just be brave and happy happy warriors in this fight you know because um what you don't want to do is get down into this doom and gloom and negativity and depressed and fearful and anxious because if you think about all these emotions what are they they're dark dark emotions what's dark dark is evil dark is luciferian satanic that's what they want you to feel what is the light light is hope light is happiness light is love okay so you need to shine the light from within outward and have joy. No matter how tough life gets, how miserable, you know, I've lost my career, you know, struggling to make a living and pay the bills, wife increasing her hours. It's okay. I'm so happy. You know, people look at me and go, oh, you look really great. You look really happy. And it comes down to, I'd rather be poor, free and happy than rich and a slave and miserable so <laughs> i would just say to everybody be happy and live your life now like it's your last and don't worry too much about tomorrow if you just stand back from the timeline of humanity you know we've been on this planet a really long time and sometimes it's been great sometimes it's been shit wars have come and gone empires have risen and fallen and you know what it's going to be the same same these idiots that are planning this, this rich, small, powerful cabal of families, individuals, banks, whatever, corporations, they think they're so fracking smart, but they're, they're so sick, spiritually, mentally, physically, inbred. There's no hope for them. They're chasing this transhumanism and living forever. Ain't gonna happen. They're gonna destroy themselves. In some respects, we don't even need to do anything. We don't need to do anything. They, they will destroy themselves. And you know what? Things will get better again. And some other shit will come along, like a big asteroid. Who knows? So don't 
fret too much about it. Don't get too paranoid and miserable and depressed. Just be that shining light. Be grateful for everything that we have. Get out of nature and love and have lots of sex. I would totally agree. Uh, you really nailed it. That's where my head has been at for a long time. Um, I mean, in, in general, what you were saying. And that's why, you know, Ecclesiastes from the Old Testament has has always been my fav- one of my favorite books from the Bible, where it says, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, you know, vanity of life is a vain parade. Um, eat, you know, obey God, eat, drink, and be merry. That's where we're at. I hope Jenny makes for a good chicken burger. Uh, ah! and- <laughs> eventually <laughs> and um doc it's been great uh, i love your work and uh your links are in the description they will be wh- where are the best places people can go um to consume your content your projects uh, and to support you yeah consume my content yeah we need to consume our contents none of this garbage out there um doc malik d-o-c-m-a-l-i-k.com that's my website we'll take you to all the podcasts and on each podcast, then it can take you to the links, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, except if they're paywall. One in th- one third of my content is behind a paywall because I need to pay the bills and I need to feed my family. And yeah, publicly, I just want to say thank you to you for giving me your time and allowing me to put our episode behind a paywall. Um, and I really appreciate it. And, you know, it, it means honestly, I can provide for my family. So I'm very, very grateful to you. And on um, Twitter, I'm Doc Ahmed Malik. And on Instagram, Doc Ahmed Malik, A-H-M-A-D-M-A-L-I-K dot com. And I just want to say thank you so much. I've, re- I've really enjoyed this. I love chatting to you. And, and don't forget, you need to feed Jenny the chicken as well. Yes. <laughs> All right, Doc, keep up the great work. Thanks for being on Geopolitics and Empire. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes, Facebook restricts our page, Reddit and Twitter take down posts, and after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.